0: Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny. How many of you, it's your first time for me being here speaking? Raise your hand real high. Oh, y'all are the ones I'm coming after first. It's just because God loves you that much. And we're glad to be back here. They're just uh, amazing people. The vessels are just amazing people. And, you know, we met them at an EFI conference. How many years ago has it been now? 2014. That's right. In 2014, and then 2015, we lived in Columbia, and I don't know if y'all remember the rains that came in Columbia We had floods all over South Carolina, and our house got flooded. So I didn't get to make the EFI conference that year. We were supposed to be there. But we had four feet of water in our backyard and had water up to our, under our house to about that far from our subfloor. So we were thankful it didn't hit our subfloor. And we got out with just a little bit, huh? Our front yard was deep. It kept coming up, and then it went out as quick as it came. So we're thankful that God watches out for us. You know, even in the midst of struggles. How many of you know there's going to be struggles? Yeah. In this life, it just is. And we might as well get used to it and learn how to praise in the midst of our struggles because the Bible says He inhabits what? The praises praises of His people. How many of you know you want God to inhabit you? You know, in the American church, we've we've looked at things differently, and sometimes I think we've looked at them wrong, but the Lord is really changing who we are. And today I want to talk a little bit about And I've got to get in my Bible here. I'm going to talk a little bit about cost, commitment, and surrender. That's discipleship. That's a simple term for discipleship. How many of you know there was a cost when you came into the kingdom of God? How many of you know you probably weren't taught that? How many of you were told when you came into the kingdom everything was going to be good? Everything would be perfect. You're going to have no more worries. How many of you know you were lied to? (laughs) Because you're going to have some struggles. And there's just a cost to come into the kingdom. And I think we've done people a disservice by not telling them there's a cost to walk with Jesus. And if you're going to walk with him, there's a major, major, major cost And if people would understand that, then they'll be committed. How many of you know, and let me just read this scripture first. Luke uh, 14, 16 through 33. I'm reading out of the New King James. Let me find it. A certain man gave a great supper, invited many, in, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to give excuses. One said, I bought a piece of land, I gotta go take care of it. Another said, I bought five oxen, I'm gonna go take care of it. Still another said, I married a wife, and therefore I can't come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master got angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and bring in the lame, the blind, bring them all in. And then you go on down to verse 25, and it says this Now great the multitudes went with him, and he said, Turn to them, and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yet his own life, he cannot be a disciple. That's intense. That word hate, we read it in America and we think it's bad. What he's saying is you got to love the other stuff less than you love him. That means you got to be committed, okay? And he said, listen to this. And whoever cannot bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you can't bear the cross, let me tell you, the cross was torture. It wasn't an easy thing. And so a lot of times we're going to have to bear a cross, but let me keep going. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? When they, caught, when they bought this building, they had to sit down and count the cost. How many of you know there was a cost for this building? Yes. And there has to be a cost. And he moved in faith because he heard God. And he counted the cost. And I'm giving you an example right here today. And he says, if he didn't count the cost, lest he had laid the foundation and was not able to finish, people would mock him. And then they had another one about a king in verse 31. Or a king makes war against another king, does not sit down again and count the cost. Why? Why does a king have to count the cost when he gets ready to go to war. What if he's got 2,000 going against 10,000? There's a cost to be counted. There's going to be a great loss of life. But you've got to count the cost and everything. When you serve Jesus, it costs something. It costs your time. You know what the most valuable commodity is in America? Time. And guess what? Guess who owns it now? When you come to him you belong to him now your time is his time that's real Christianity can I tell you something in America we have too much conveniences we got lots of these and iPads and computers and guess what takes up most of our time surely not most of the time in the American church it's not even the Bible Did you know that 94% of pastors have not even read the Bible all the way through It's true. They went to Bible college and took the hermeneutics and took all the all the stuff in college and yet they never read their Bible. It's crazy, isn't it? Now what do you think the statistics would be for the normal Christian? It's about the same. It requires a cost, your time. Your time to study to show yourself approved. There's another cost. He says, you got to take up your cross. You got to take it up every single day. You got to pick it up and carry the burdens of others. That's what the cross was about. How about in First Corinthians fifteen thirty-one? Paul said, I die every few weeks. What did he say? He said, it dies daily. Why? For others His concern was always for others. There's always a cost. I'm going to tell you something. The cost to walk this gospel is big. I remember when I got born again, I lost all my friends. I happened to be a drug dealer at the time. I lost every friend just like that. They thought I was crazy. I was. I was crazy about God. I was radical about God. I realized there was a cost involved. I just didn't realize how big it was. See, when we live this life on earth, he's not going to look at us and say, man, you did really good. You made a lot of gold. He's not going to look at us like that. He's going to look at us and say, did you love well? What she said a minute ago, did you forgive? See, forgiveness is a hard deal too. Let me tell you why it's hard. Because sometimes people are going to hurt you and abuse you, and you're going to have to forgive them. That's hard. Because guess what? As soon as you forgive them, they're going to come back and do it again. And as soon as you do it, they do it again and again and again. And the Bible says you got to learn how to forgive. What seventy times what? Seven. That's a lot of forgiveness, isn't it? For the same event in our lives. See. There's a cost. It costs everything to walk with him. Specifically your time. And I'm gonna tell you, in America, we don't like giving up our time. In other countries, you can go to other countries. That's all they got's time. And they're out seeking the Lord, they're out searching the kingdom, they're searching for disciples. And let me tell you something, in America, we say it's going to be all right. You just come into the kingdom over there in Iran or I take you over to Iraq and even India. They're going to look at you and say, you know, you want to follow Jesus? You could die tomorrow. You could have your head chopped off. It ain't like here in Mexico where he goes in some parts of Mexico. If you're a believer there, especially a pastor, your life is on the line and literally, his life's on the line, whether he knows or not, But the angels have their guard. His life's on the line when he goes there. You know why? They don't want people like us alive. See, that's the gospel. The gospel, you die daily. In other words, you pick up his cross and you go after people. And you bring them into the kingdom and you tell them the truth. There is a cost Then there's commitment. The commitment requires everything. It means you're going to have to commit to reading your Bible. Not once a week, once a month, but daily. It has to become your source of life. How many of you know if you need a blood transfusion, you've got to have blood? How many of you know if you need a spirit transfusion, you've got to have the Word? Let me prove that to you. The Bible says, Jesus says, the words that I speak, they are what? Spirit in their life. So you've got to have a spirit transfusion on a daily basis. How many of you know you're going to get beaten up in this life? Spiritually. Most of you will never experience the suffering that our brothers and sisters are experiencing across this world. Most of us never will. But that doesn't make them any less our brothers and sisters. So now you've got to give a life of prayer. Interceding for other nations. Interceding and praying for people. He said, why should I do that? Well, Jesus said that he died and He seated at the right in the Father. What's he doing? What's he doing? The Bible says he's making intercession for all of us. So who are we supposed to be following? Him. Did you know every single one of you are called to be intercessors? You are. When they call for prayer here, y'all ought to be knocking the door down to get in here. Cause a corporate prayer, God, for whatever reason, God wants us to come together in corporate prayer. I'll prove it to you. In the book of Acts, he called for corporate prayer. He said, Go tarry in Jerusalem. They didn't go just sit down and eat. They were praying and seeking God. You gotta go read the text. And it said the Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. How many of you want to experience a mighty rushing wind? You want to see the power of God. You want to see people like Peter that was out on the edge. He was a wild man. Jesus said, come out on the, he said, Jesus, let me come on the water. What did he tell Peter? He said, come on. That's right. And Peter went out there and he jumped on the water. Peter was a wild man. <laughs> then he got a prophecy from Jesus. You know what the prophecy was? Pete, you're going to deny me. What did Peter say? I am not going to, I'd never deny you. What happened? There you go. Am I better? Yeah. Wait a minute, it's about to come off my ear now. Is that better? He said, he's going to deny you. He said, you're going to deny me. Peter said, that's not going to happen. Matter of fact, you know what happened? Peter showed up at the temple when they arrested Jesus. And how many of you heard there was a cock that crowed? Mm-hmm. How many of you know it wasn't a cock-a-doodle-doo? Mm-hmm. Most of you don't know that because you don't understand that chickens couldn't be in the temple courtyard because it was considered an unclean animal in the temple courtyard at the time. Actually, if you look at the correct translation, it was called the temple crier. And he would come out on the temple steps and say, all come to worship. He did it three times. That's what that was all about. But Peter sat there and denied Jesus three times. You know what he remembered the prophecy he got from Jesus? The third time. That's when he remembered. And then Jesus said, look, he met him on the beach, cooked him some fish. By the way, if you want to know what you're getting ready to eat in heaven, you're going to eat some fish. <laughs> and Jesus probably be cooking it for you. Amen. That's right. He met Peter on the beach. And he said, Pete, do you love me? Are you committed to me? Peter, are you committed to me? Do you love me? That's what love is, is commitment. Love is not a feeling, it's commitment. He says, if you love me, Pete, do you love me? Pete said, you know I do, Lord. He said, then go hang out in Jerusalem tarry in Jerusalem. And he went there and tarried. And they sought the Lord together. And then the mighty Russian wind came in. Peter got filled with the Spirit of God. And he preached his first sermon. After God restored him, Jesus restored him, preached his first sermon, 3,000 people came into the kingdom. Then he goes walking in a temple where the man was lame and he said, money, money. He said, silver and gold don't I have, but such as I have. Rise up. Power was released in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But it requires commitment. Yes. It requires commitment to one another. If you got alt with somebody in the body, go sit down and talk with them. Don't run to him about it. You go deal with it. Amen. Make sure you look each other face to face and work it out. Let me tell you something. He's not supposed to be a referee. Thank you. He's not. It's commitment to one another. When somebody's hurting, you should put your arms around them. When visitors come, y'all ought to be gathering around them. They're freaking out. Saying, what in the world's going on in this place? They like us here. But you know what we do? We come in and we find our own seats don't we instead of trying to find somebody you can touch be committed when you're committed to a body what you're doing is saying I'm here I'm going to give my money to this place because I see value I want to see the kingdom growing I believe this place is going to grow the kingdom so I'm going to give money to this place because I want it to go to work and by the way it's not even your money it's his money you just think it's yours. And anytime you start really thinking it's yours, bye-bye. Remember the guy in the New Testament? He said, man, I've done made a lot of wealth. I think I'm going to go build me another tower. And I'm going to put more stuff in there. And what did he say? You fool. Your life is required of you this night. That's what he said. So it's not yours. You should always say, God, what should I do? Everything that you have should be open-handed. It should be committed to one another. I told a story last night. I want to tell it again here. I told a story about a man named Francis Chan. Anybody ever heard of him? Francis Chan's on the West Coast. He started a church of eight, uh, actually started a church in his home. It grew to 8,000 people. Pretty big church. And Francis Chan grew it up from the bottom. But you know what he found out? This this is a story I told him last night it changed his life. He actually talked to a gang member and finally got him to come to church. And he started bringing his family. And the gang member would come to church. And after about eight weeks, the gang member disappeared. This is because he lives in the left coast, west coast. He lives way out there. Y'all got it, didn't you? It took y'all a minute. That was a delayed reaction. But he lives on that coast, and and. The gang member wasn't there, and one day he was in a grocery store, and he ran into the gang member. And he said, man, I hadn't seen you in a while. Where have you been? He said, well, pastor, you want to know the truth? He said, oh, yeah, I do. I want to know the truth. He said, let me tell you what the truth is. He said, when I came to your church, you told me it was going to be full of love, and people were going to like me and take care of me. You told me that when my family was sick, people were going to be involved And they weren't. He said, matter of fact, when we came there, nobody wanted to sit near us. Everybody wanted to sit over here because I didn't look like them. He said, when my family got sick, nobody called me. My children got sick, nobody called me. He said, so I left church and I went back to my gang. Because in my gang, when my wife got sick, people were there bringing food. He said, when my children were sick, they were there bringing food and over there helping clean our house. When I was out of work, they came and gave me money. Not the church. People. He said, so I, I guess what? I found more love in my gang than I ever found in church. It's commitment. See... You're not committed just to destiny. You're committed to God. And this is the house he's brought you to. That's what commitment is. It costs everything. See, you got to have cost. you got to have commitment. How many of you know when you serve Jesus in Iran? And they say, hey, you want to know Jesus? And you know what happens? If you come to Jesus, you could die Tomorrow. You still want him? You still want him? You could die tomorrow. The government could take everything you've got because you believe in Jesus. Do you still want him? He wants you, but do you want him? Let me tell you something. He talks about this in the scripture. He says, if The world hates you, it hated me first. Can I tell you something? That name is a name that stirs up controversy everywhere you go. I challenge you to go out into the mall and say, Jesus is Lord, and watch how quick you're escorted out of that mall. But you can take a rug in there and bow to Allah and nobody will touch you. Truth. You see it in the airports. People can sit there and say, Jesus, and you're going to have security surrounding them. But as soon as they find a rug to start worshiping Allah, everybody gets out of their way. Nobody says anything. Who do you serve? Do you serve a living God that you're committed to? That's wanting to bring change into this world. This isn't about you and me. This is about his world that he wants to redeem because he wishes none would perish, not one. From the lowest of the low. And when I read you just a little bit ago, He said, he's out there trying to bring them back in. He said, but they wouldn't come back. So now he's going to the highways, byways, and hedges, and he's going to bring all the ones in nobody wants. Nobody wants. Can I tell you something? It's not about color either. Y'all better get over that. We all carry the same blood, and that's the blood of Jesus inside of us you want to change a community then go in there and be the change maker be committed to your city you go into a place that has a lot of drugs going on to go preach the gospel and watch the drugs disappear but you got to live it you can't just go in there and preach a message and go home and shut your door to everything you got to start living it with people see that's the commitment of the kingdom cost of everything It costs commitment, costs everything. See, I love the kingdom. But it scares me. The Bible says in John 15, he said, if they persecuted me, you're going to get persecuted. And you know what? Your persecution ain't nothing. People just talk about you. In America, all they do is talk about you. And we get all upset about that. How about if they held a knife up to your wife's throat? Say, if you deny Jesus, she'll live. If you don't, she'll die. That's what goes on across the world. As a matter of fact, there was a Chinese man years ago heard this story from a friend of mine in China. He was a missionary. It was him, his wife and his two children. Chinese came in and took over and they called him and said you need to renounce Christ the husband said you need to renounce Christ or your children will die he made them dig a six foot hole and the children looked up at mama and daddy because they were trained in righteousness by the way it ain't the church's responsibility to raise your kids it's your job as parents, it's your job. If you want to have a child, it's your responsibility to raise them in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Don't put this on church and other people. You put it on you. You become that disciple. You bring a disciple up. You raise that disciple up. See, God's looking for disciple makers, He's not looking for people just saved. look at see, discipleship is not a 12 week course, right. it's a lifestyle. You live it. You live it before your friends. You live it before your enemies. That's what changes people. Amen. Change Talking ain't going to change people. It's a lifestyle change. you got to live it. Amen. And let me tell you what, it's not going to be easy. In America, it should be the easiest. Really, it should be. Because how many of you know most of us should be in a different place than God anyway we just settled because we like the good stuff we like our stuff more than we love God I told him a story y'all y'all missed it last night I told him a story about a girl named Katie Katie Davis you can get her book called kisses from Katie you want to talk about commitment 16 year old girl gave her life to Jesus in such a way she's Presbyterian didn't really know God But then she heard the voice of God and she found out who God really was. And said, God, how come these miracles that I'm reading in the Bible doesn't happen in my church? How come it doesn't happen in my city? And she was sincere to God. You know what God said to her? You know what he had the audacity to say to her? What are you going to do about it? (laughs) What are you going to do about it? And then she got a little forthright with God and she said, Well, God, what you wanted, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? That's a dangerous, open ended question. You know what God told her? I want you to go to Uganda. And she ended up going to Uganda, working with the poor, with the orphans. Mom and daddy didn't want her to go. You know what happened? 24 girls she ended up adopting she ended up meeting her husband there she got orphanages all over she's raising up villages over there and teaching them how to make money so they don't have to leave the village 16 years old at the time when she first committed she still committed is it easy no in her she got a new book called daring to hope she'll tell you it's not easy we look at somebody like her or Heidi Baker, and we say, "Wow, well, I want to be like them." Do you really? Do you really want to go through the pressure that they went through? I think if you would be honest with God and say, "God, where do you really want me?" Y'all might be surprised some of the things He's going to say to you. It ain't about your money and retirement. See, my daddy retired at 70 years old, at 68 years old, 68 and a half. He died a year and a half later. What good was his retirement? My daddy didn't know the Lord, but I was committed to the Lord. And I went to the hospital when my daddy found out he had a brain tumor. And I was wanting other people to come up there and tell him about Jesus, I was too afraid. Then I finally took a Bible. And I said, Daddy, you want to know Jesus? He was raised Catholic. Didn't know God. He'd never said he loved me ever in his life. When I led him to Jesus that day, he understood love. He literally became a different man. Literally, he did. He told me he loved me and hugged me for the first time ever. But that was because of my commitment to the Lord. What's your commitment to him? Are you going to be the new Katie Davis that changes the world? Teenagers, you want some wild times? Go walk with God. That would be the wildest time you could ever have. All the stuff that we have out there, sports, it's boring anyway. (laughs) They sit there and battle over crazy, stupid stuff now. And they're making everything political. What good is it? Let's quit getting political and let's get about Jesus. So, cost, commitment. The last one is surrender. I'm gonna close with this. Surrender is a big deal. Surrender is your final stage of discipleship. That's how you know you've gotten there. Let me tell you what his final stage was. John five nineteen. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's surrender. You want to know why Jesus moved in incredible miracles everywhere he went? Surrender. You know why we don't? We're not surrendered. We're stuck somewhere in the process. And see, God takes you through a process of testing to bring you to a place of surrender. The last one is John 8, 9. I only do what pleases the Father. Now let me ask you something. How are you going to know what pleases the Father? Say again. you got to get in the book. If you don't know this book, the Bible, from front to back, how are you going to please him? Well, Jim, I'm a New Testament Christian. you wrong. You're a Bible Christian. Jesus gave two commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. And what? Your neighbor is yourself. Is that right? Well, Jim, that's New Testament. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you, all he did was condense the Ten Commandments. The first five of the Ten Commandments are guess what about? Loving God. Guess what the other ten are about? The other five are about? Loving people. All he did was condense it. He just took everything and condensed it and said, Look, I'm just trying to make it easy for you. Can I tell you how hard it is? <laughs> Loving God's hard. Because you're going to have pulls on your life everywhere you go. They're going to be pulling you back. I was a drug addict. Stuff like that that wants to pull you back into it. Your old lifestyles wanting to pull you back. That anger that you've been living for a long time and never dealt with. Wanting to pull you back in and get angry again. But you got to die daily to it. You gotta stay humble before the Lord. See, so surrendered Jesus. When he was surrendered, he said, Man, I'm only doing what he's wanting me to do. And can I tell you something? When you start doing what God wants you to do, people ain't gonna like you anymore. They won't. Walking with him is different than what you've been taught. You follow Jesus. Some of you, when he goes on a Mexico trip, ought to be begging to go. Well, Jim, it costs money. So what? Quit quit going to Disney World and go there. You might see a miracle. And when you see a miracle, then your life becomes changed. Not only does your life become changed, but the one that received the miracle. And when they receive that miracle, they're going to run to you and say, who are you? Who are you? And all you can say is, I'm just a servant. That's all you can say. Last two scriptures. And I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you about it. And I believe it's in Mark. And Jesus said this. He said, he who wants to be great in the kingdom must become a servant. He who wants to be great in the kingdom Must become a servant. What does that mean? That means everybody in here, you're supposed to serve from the lowest. If you want to be great in this kingdom, and he he so wants to be the greatest in the kingdom, must be servant of all. Our jobs as leaders should be those fivefold ministry. We should be the servant of all of you guys. We should be modeling that in the body. We're just servants. See, gifts are gifts. God gives gifts. Gifts are gifts. They just are. I don't have to earn it. I just do it. See, gifts are cool. They're fun. But being a servant's the hard part. Learning to lay down your lives for one another. That's surrender. Commitment to one another. God's got his hands on this body here. And there's going to be an acceleration in the days and weeks and months ahead. There's going to be increase. Increase is coming upon this body. You will be known as the servant church of the city. People will make fun of you for a season until the doors start bulging because they want to get in. Because you're going to learn how to love. You're going to start living it at your workplace. And they're going to say, What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Something's changed about you. Who are you? Well, you know, I heard a message that said I had to be a servant to all. That doesn't mean just here. That's everywhere. Bible says you work your job as unto who? The Lord. Lord. (laughs) When you start doing stuff like that, people are going to say, where do you go to church at, man? I won't be part of that deal. You don't even have to evangelize. You know why? Because they recognize, people recognize Disciples. They might not understand the term, but they recognize disciples. They said, I want to be part of what you're doing. When I managed car dealerships, I didn't tell people that I was a Christian until after the fact. You know what they'd say to me? They say, I knew something was different about you. But I didn't use that as a tool. You should never use God as a tool for anything. You need to become His tool. You need to be trained, changed from glory to glory. I want to encourage you as you go forth from this day forward. Remember, there's cost. When you lead somebody Jesus, you say, look, it's a cost, dude. And then you got to t- teach them there's going to be commitment to one another here. You can't be your own... Lone Ranger anymore. It's commitment to one another. And we're going to keep everything even. And the last part you'll get to is surrender. When you get to surrender, that's when the miracles begin. And can I tell you something? It's fun to do, try to get people healed here, but you know where most people are going to get healed? Outside these walls. People that are desperate, they're hungry. Guess who they're looking for to show up? Disciples. That's ultimate discipleship when you finally get to the point of surrender. Where are you at in the process? Are you still counting the costs? Because, see, you're not your own anymore. Are you committed to one another? And are you totally surrendered? Get ready for this new time that y'all are about to step in. Some of these, sometime very shortly, many of you are going to hear the voice of God and it's going to speak to you and you're going to run to Him and say, God really spoke to me about doing this, starting this. You know what He's going to say? Well, let's do it. He doesn't need to appoint you to do things. You need to be running to him saying, what do you think about this idea? If I go do this down at the park, I just want to set up a booth down there. And I want to set it up where people can just get prayer for healing. You think he's going to say no? you can go down there and start getting people healed, and they're going to want to come to this place. You know, And the prophetic things, the things that I do, a lot of times they'll set up booths and say, come and get your reading. Think about it a minute. Our culture, what do they look at most of the time? Psychics. So what do they look at getting every time they want something? A reading. I Listen, when we go down to the beach, we got people that show up all the time and say, I'm here to get my reading. <laughs> and they, they don't know any difference. It's just language. But take the gift that God's giving you. And give it away. If he's giving you the ability to make wealth, it's not for you. Yeah, just give the Start giving it away. <laughs> First of all, you give it in the place you're fed, and then give it away everywhere you go. Her brother, he just passed away this last year, right in May. When he got saved, let me tell you about her brother. I, I get on. I like stories because I want to show you something about somebody. Because I loved her brother. Her brother. He'll tell you he was a general in Satan's army. That's what he told me. He was until he got cancer. And he got cancer, and he had it down in his throat. They actually had to cut out part of his throat. And he lost all his saliva glands from radiation. So you imagine he was a car guy, managed car dealerships. He wore $300 shoes. $800 $800 suits he had caught his hair he'd have it dipped in curls, is what he used to say because he had it a perfect way he had it long the exact length he wanted he was just that kind of man but he's a good man he could be mean as a snake too when he got the cancer he laid in bed for 8 months when he lost the saliva glands he went on a feeding box that's all he had. And he told us, he said, at that time, I was ready just to die. I said, Jesus, you just need to take me. He had finally committed to Jesus. Where well, he decided to come to one of our meetings. We had meetings in the city, and we said, "We'd well, just come and get prayer. Now, we're a little bit different than what you used to, because he grew up Methodist. I said, but come on. And he would come, and I remember the first time he came, he sat back there with that guy sitting with his family. And they sat like this. They were freaking because they were doing worship, everybody dancing and and then we prayed for him because, and then we prayed and then the next week we found out he was going to Augusta, Georgia to get a see if he could get a saliva gland transplant because if you don't have saliva glands, you can't eat. Everything has to go into the belly. okay so he came back again, got prayer again, he went down to this doctor, and he found out when he went to the doctor doctor went in and said, I don't know what's happened, but you got brand new saliva glands. He got healed. Okay. That was cool. But let me tell you what he did. When he got healed, he really had an encounter with Jesus sin. And he knew that what the cost was and he became committed. And he went out in a $700 suit and his two, $300 shoes and stood on the interstate on one of the exits with a sign. It says, I don't need money. I don't need food, but you need Jesus. He was committed. He was committed. I mean, I love, yeah, and then Rachel just reminded me, he would go downtown Columbia with a wad of $20 bills, $100 bills, and go looking for the lowest of the low and said, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. and Prayed for him and handed him a $100. I'm talking to all the homeless people that's the kind of man he turned into and let me tell you something after that he just became on fire for God but then about three years ago he was in a tragic car accident and he actually a truck was a log truck was out of the road in the middle of the night with no lights and he slid right into it and everything in his body got broken he could have given up, but he still talked about Jesus. He was in pain every day for two and a half years. Every day. But he was still committed. He's still a disciple. He always encouraged us. Rachel and I would go over and pray for him. His body was so wrecked with pain. Back the first of the year, they found out cancer had returned. Except this time, it was all through his body. We lost him in May. He was known all over the city. We had two big counties, Lexington County and Richland County, two of the biggest counties in South Carolina. They've had both the sheriffs at the Lexington County and Richland County complete escort. I mean, they had everything stopped. You know, you don't do this. They had everything stopped when they were taking him to enter him, put him in the grave. People loved him. He was known all over the city because he was committed everything didn't work out perfect because god healed him the first time he had more pain than he ever had and he died with the disease that first got him but we went and prayed for him the very last day we could see him really where he could be coherent and we prayed for him he said he looked at me and her and said i'm ready and we prayed for him right then and i remember him walking getting him in the car they took him to the hospital. As soon as he went to the hospital, he had, a, I think, a stroke and lost all ability to talk. A few days later, he was gone. But let me tell you, he knows where he's going. Yeah. That's it. See, he was somebody committed. You can overcome. The reason I'm telling you this story is you can overcome anything in this life. I don't care what it is. You can overcome it. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Because you're the one that can change somebody's life in this city, in this nation, in this world. Cost, commitment, and complete surrender. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.